0: Sports Talk, Talk New, York New York with your, with your hosts, Mark, Mark Rosenman Rosen and, and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs. The Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with
1: dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J.
2: Joining us now is a man who played his junior hockey on the London Knights, where he won the 2005 OHL Championship and the 2005 Memorial Cup. Somehow, he went undrafted. He contacted several NHL teams for a tryout. The New York Rangers took a second look at him and invited him to their training camp in the 2005-2006 season. The rest is history, as over the course of a 927-game career, he established himself as one of the most consistent defensemen in New York Rangers history. He was the true definition of the black and blue shirts. As night in and night out, he played with the heart and soul of a warrior. And you know his block shots, 1,954 since the NHL began to track block shots, uh, was the most. And, and I can attest to it, I've seen him in his locker room. His ankles, his, his, it's not a pretty sight. Um, his teams reached the playoffs in 12 of his 13 seasons, including four trips to the conference final one to the cup final. I am so glad I got to cover his 11 years here as a Ranger. It is great to talk to him once again, and welcome to 540 AM Sports Talk New York, the one and only Dan Girardi. Welcome, Dan.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Oh, my absolutely my pleasure. Before we talk about your latest endeavor, the block party with Dan Girardi, let's talk a little bit about your career. So we mentioned in the open about your junior career and the fact that you went undrafted. Uh, There are a lot of really talented players that don't get drafted, lots of them packing in at that point. It takes a special person to have enough confidence in themselves not to give up on that dream. Where did that confidence in you come to say, all right, okay, so I wasn't drafted, but this is not the end of the road for me?
1: Um, Honestly, I I don't really know. But uh, I think, uh, you know, knowing that I had a pretty decent junior career, um, kind of a late bloomer, my first couple years in the OHL I was, you know, underage year, didn't play very much. The second year, I got hurt pretty bad. And, you know, at my third year when I got to Guelph, uh, that's when I started playing full time and, you know, things started going pretty well. And uh, obviously, you mentioned the uh, London Knights year was a pretty big year for me. And I think that really probably showed some scouts or teams that, you know, I could play. And that was a big part of a good team. And um, I can't thank the Rangers enough to for giving me a chance to play, you know, especially Jim Schoenfeld was there. He was the uh, GM of Hartford at the time, and he gave me a, a two-way contract between the Wolf Pack and the Charlotte Checkers of the East Coast League, which is, I don't think that's even available now, I'm not really sure, that that two-way deal, but, um, you know, they take a chance on me, and, you know, I couldn't uh, thank those guys more, and, you know, I was actually very close to, you know, calling it, uh, you know, going to the collegiate route uh, on the Canadian side of things, and going to school at Brock University in St. Catharines. And, um, you know, I was in between that and started in Charlotte East Coast League. And obviously very, very glad I chose the Charlotte route. You know, nothing against Brock University, but, you know, I'm glad I stuck with Charlotte and, uh, you know, my career kind of took off from there.
2: So it's interesting that you mentioned that two-way contract and, and, and starting in Charlotte and then getting called up to the Wolfpack. When you started with Charlotte, in the back of your mind, do you have, like, a – Uh, an end date, like, all right, this is my, my plan. If I don't make it to the NHL by X, my plan B is this. Did you, or did you not have a plan B at all?
1: I'm not even sure what the plan was to be quite honest with you. I I know for a fact that I was waiting for maybe a visa of some sort to get to the U S and I remember me and my dad going to a dealership and buying a two door Ford Explorer. Don't, I don't know why I remember that, but we went there. Grab the truck, and then loaded up the car and drove to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, we we kind of showed up right as, you know, day before training camp. You know, I think I didn't know what to expect. I, I don't know. You know, like I said, I don't think there was an end date at any point. I think we just got there and, you know, kind of see how it went. And it was a very short East Coast Hockey League career for myself. Uh, I think it was like seven games or something like that. Yeah. And then, then Hartford came calling. But, you know, I think it was just kind of get to Charlotte. Start playing and, and go from there. And uh, like like I said, I'm glad it was you know it was a short time, but it was fun. But you know, went right to Hartford right away. It was great.
2: You know, you look at some of your coaches that you had in juniors and the AHL, guys like Jeff Jackson, Dave Barr, Dale Hunter, Jim Schoenfeld. That's a pretty impressive group of NHL minds and experience. Of those four, which had the greatest impact in setting the foundation that you needed to excel at the NHL level?
1: Ooh, well that's a that's a good one there. Um, you know it's going to be a cliche, but you know obviously everyone had their their certain they did right, but I think overall I think when I got when I got to Hartford or New York's camp and got sent down to Hartford and, and but when I talked to Jim Schoenfeld he you know he was the one that really really believed in me and saw what I could do but he, but he knew I had to start start down the East coast and work my way up, but he always knew that I'd be a player and, you know, he was always the one guy I kept in touch with throughout my career, you know, whether, you know, Hartford my first couple of years and with the Rangers because he was back and forth with the Wolf Pack and the, and, and the Rangers. And, you know, he was one guy that I always kept in touch. And, you know, it, it was, I, I do have to say, it was probably him that really, really helped me the most along the way.
2: You know, it's funny because in the what, 12 years of doing this now, um, We speak to athletes from every sport, and it's funny because you need so much skill to make it to whichever league it is, especially in the NHL, but it's also about the opportunity and the need of a team. I spoke to Dan Corsello last week, and he told me that the opportunity for him, one of his greatest opportunities to play for the Rangers, came about because of an injury to Derek Dorsett. So he said if Dorsett never got injured the Rangers never make that trade, and he would have missed out on that amazing run to the finals. For you, that opportunity came when Darius Kasparaitis went down with an injury. You get to play the 34 games as well as the playoffs that year. Was there a moment in that season or during the playoffs that solidified your belief that not only do you belong in the NHL, but you could actually excel in the league? Well,
1: I think I, you know, You brought up the podcast before, but I think I talked about this in one of my podcasts that aren't released yet. But I really was a firm believer in not being very comfortable for where I was. You know, the first 34 games, you know, went went really went pretty well. Didn't score, but you know, played well. The playoffs were a great time, and even even the following season, where you know, I started training camp, and the equipment guy asked me, you know, what number I wanted. It said number 46, which was a great number, but I didn't really want to play my career with that number, so. You know, I picked number five. You know, I took my visor off. You know, that was kind of a, a turning point in my career. But I still never, always, you know, I always wanted to keep keep pushing to make sure everyone they knew that I belonged. And you know, I never was comfortable for one day, even you know, till till the end of my career. I always wanted to make sure I proved everyone that I could play. And uh, you know, I think uh, you know that's that's kind of my mentality going through there.
2: We're talking with Dan Girardi, Farmer, New York Ranger, and Tampa Bay Lightning. Again, opportunity is a big thing in a player's career and how he performs when an opportunity arises. 2011-12, season your name, an interim alternate captain for the Rangers while Mark Stahl was recovering from post-concussion syndrome. In Mark's absence, you lead all NHL skaters in average ice time, averaging nearly 28 minutes per game. Your play earned you a spot in the 2012 NHL All-Star Game. Now, I can't speak for your nature, but my human nature—I have to imagine—if it was me, that's the ultimate fu to all those scouts that didn't draft me or didn't give me a look, you know, for a tryout. How did you feel at that moment?
1: Well, obviously, it's no secret. I didn't—I didn't really play the game like an NHL all-star, you know. Like I never was too flashy offensively, but you know, I—you I, know—kept it simple, but got the job done. And I think that year you know, really propelled my career in the right direction. Obviously, oh six, oh seven, I came into the league, but that was a really, I think, a really huge year for me. Obviously, you know, Mark being out was not ideal, but I think that helped me out a lot. Um, obviously, getting the All-Star nomination, you know, we had a great run in the playoffs. You know, I got, I was able to score three goals in the playoffs, which happened to be game winners, which was, you know, uh, it was amazing, uh, but, you know, I think, um you know, that, that year itself was a was a big stepping stone for me and you know, like I said, the, the All Star game there. I'm not I'm not gonna say it was an F U to a lot of people, but I think it was, you know, kind of maybe a you know, a head turner like, wow, this guy can this guy can really play and you know, he's uh you know, among the you know, I wouldn't say elite defensemen, but you know, you know, top defensemen of the league to some degree and you know, that was a really like I say, really big year for me and the family.
0: Hey Dan, this is Ryan Sherman. So Mark mentioned the opportunity to play, and I think that's one of the uh, biggest compliments a coach could give you is the trust and the ice time to, to have you out there in the most important moments. And that became part of your career as every playoff series you were being matched up against Alex Ovechkin, you know Sidney Crosby and the likes. Now then you ended up in Tampa Bay playing against guys like uh, with guys like Stamkos and Cooch. And so to me, what as a defender. Do you, you know, what kind of mentality do you enter that game? You know, you need to limit their offense. And then what makes them so hard to play against?
1: Well, you know, I, you know, my, my, like you said, my job was pretty simple. Not to let those guys, you know, score or at the, at the least, you know, limit them to, you know, grade 80 scoring chances against. So, you know, I was never worried about, you know, am I, am I going to make a big play offensively or, or score a goal? If that happened, great. But my main my main goal was to try to keep these guys off the score sheet, make their lives hard, and you know for the most part I did that. But at the end of the day, those guys are elite hockey players. They're going to get their chances, and um, you know those 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 guys are like Ovi and, and Sydney, and you know obviously playing the last couple of years with Stammer and Kuz. Like these guys are elite players, and for me to see myself playing against those guys, it's very um, you know I guess humbling. Like these guys are elite players, and you know, just the undrafted guys trying to shut these guys down, it's pretty cool. But, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I tried my best to do that. But like um, still these guys are going to get chances, and that's just uh, part of the game.
0: Mark had mentioned in the beginning of the um, thing about your confidence, though. Did that become a source of confidence, night in, night out, being able to play against those kind of guys? Well, uh, yeah, I guess. You know, I, I really strive for,
1: you know, consistency. You know, no if it was... Might not be the prettiest game I played, but I I tried night in night out to try my best, you know, block some shots, make a great pass, defend defend as best I could, you know. I, that's why I think that I was able to kind of, you know, my first thirty four games and go on from there is just every coach, every guy knew what they expect from me every night, um, you know. That's kind of what, like I said, what I strived on, and um, you know that really helped me out through my career.
2: During the two thousand thirteen two thousand fourteen season, you know. Other than New York, people that didn't watch you game in and game out got to see you're, you're named alternate captain for the Rangers for the remainder of the season. At the Cali was traded, you know, um, at the deadline to Tampa Bay. Your leadership, as well as your solid defensive play in the playoffs, were a key part to the Rangers' run to the 2014 Stanley Cup Finals. You know, uh, to this day, you know, I, I remember those games so vividly. Um, what's your fondest memory of that run? And conversely, what's the most haunting memory of that run?
1: Well, well I'll end with the most haunting, but for those that know the Rangers, I, I have it on top of my head. I'm sure they know it too, but I'll I'll go to the most, you know, the, I guess the most exciting one was, um, well, there I think there's two kind of that stand out. It was, I, I believe, game four at home when Marty scored the OT winner, on Mother's Day. I think if that's, if that's right, yeah. Marty St. Louis had the, it was kind of on his off wing and kind of went top, top glove, or top blocker, maybe top glove on Takarski and I was kind of had like the, the bird's eye view from the back end, that was a huge goal and it was big for Marty too, coming over in the trade and doing everything he did and, and I think that one moment that really sticks out is game six at home, you know, I'm on the final minute and that buzzer sounds and, you know, recent conference champions and that was kind of a really, Really special moment, you know. I'm on the ice with Mac. I think Boiler was on there. You know, we go you go congratulate Hank. Like that was a really big moment in my career for sure. And you know, obviously we'd love to bring that to the next level against LA, but that didn't happen. And, and there's no secret that the the well, maybe the you know the worst moment was I think it might have been even game one and overtime. I try to clear. It. Justin Williams gets it. You know, he makes a nice move and scores a goal with Hank and. Yeah, you, know, you couldn't turn a puck over to a worse guy. The guy that's missed their game seven, missed their playoffs, and I you know, you turn a puck over to that guy. That's not the, uh, not the ideal situation. But you know, I think, I think we really had a great chance of that game. I think we lost three in overtime. You know, and we had a couple of lead in a couple of games. You know, you know, obviously would have loved to finish that job, but it didn't seem like it was meant to be. But you know, it, it would have been nice to win. But um, you know, you can't uh, can't all in the past.
2: So you finished your career with the Tampa Bay Lightning. You announced your retirement five weeks ago. How tough was that decision, and what was the biggest factor not to give it one more shot at winning the cup?
1: Well, yeah, it was. It was a really tough decision. I'm not going to lie. Um, there were there there were a couple offers out there to maybe go to some different places, but you know, you know, there's a couple of things you got to you know keep in mind. You got to you know, obviously, number one is the family, right? You got to make sure. It's not gonna to be too hard on, on the kids and the wife and you gotta make sure everything's okay there. But at the same time, you know, I think factor number two was was the old was the old body. You know, obviously you mentioned earlier that there was a lot of block shots and you know, a lot of hits dished out. There, there's no secret the body's taken a beating over the last thirteen years and and you know, it, it's you know, last couple of years, you know, it, it was a good good time in Tampa. you know, it, it was hard every night trying, you know, battling to get out there and, and working hard, but um you know, I think that it was it was very hard to give up that chance to you know win the trophy and you know, but I I was fortunate enough, to, like you said, four conference finals, Stanley Cup final. You know, my last two years in Tampa, we had amazing teams. First year we lost, you know, first year here we lost the Washington Game Seven in the Eastern Conference Finals, that could have been, went either way. And you know, obviously <laughs> last year's no secret was not great for us, but um, you know, I had I had my chances. You know, that that's just the way the game goes. You know, you get you get some looks, but. That's just how it goes. And, you know, when I made my decision to retire, you know, I was, you know, I, I honestly was sad to say I couldn't be happier. You know, and my body was like, thank you very much.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and you know, now it's all about the family, all about the kids. You know, coaching my son's team out here in Tampa for the year with into the Cavalier. You know, we've got a couple of good coaches, and, you know, I, I couldn't be happier.
2: So, wait, wait, wait. I like the way you just gloss over that. Yeah, so, it, so your son is what? Yeah. Your son's nine now, right? About yeah, he's yeah. nine. All right, yeah, I have pretty decent memory. So, he, so, he's played for you and Vinny LeCavier. And, and guess not who's bad also coaching on, staff, and, and right, and there's another on, player on that team as well that's got a little NHL pedigree as well, right? Like, what team shows up to play you guys?
1: Yeah, well, I gotta say the hockey here in, in the Tampa area is very, it's pretty, it's pretty good, you know. Some people might think, "Oh, Florida, there's no way this hockey's you know competitive or good." But this—it's really our little team here. You know, the Tampa Junior Bulls is a pretty good team. Like I said, Vinny's been the coach here for the last two years, and I just joined the staff this year. And you know, my son's been lucky enough to have that guy as a coach. You know, he's a four. He's not—he's not a D like me. And, you know, he doesn't like to just go off the glass and out. He likes to—he likes to try to make some plays. And um, you know, it's like I don't know what the other team thinks when they show up, but you know, we're all our – there are 15 kids that come to the games, and the parents, you know, they really appreciate what the Vinny can bring to the to the team. And you know, it's like I said, I I'm very excited to be more of a part of my son's hockey now.
2: So, so when you're behind the bench, uh, you know, which of your former coaches are, are you challenging? Is it Rennie? Is it is it Torts, Av, or Coop? Uh, you know, I, I I really pray it's not Torts to nine-year-olds. You're you're in a laugh, <laughs> but
1: it might be it might be <laughs> Mr. Torts. <Tortorella. laughs> <But, laughs> no, is
2: that
0: because not, you no, and Vinny? Is that no, because you it, and Vinny it, are both products of, of torts?
1: Yeah, maybe. But no, I, you know, I, I always laugh at myself because the first couple of years, you know, he was playing with Vinny. You know, when I can go to a tournament or a game, I would, you know, watch from the stands and trying to be too crazy. But you know, I get down behind the bench, and I don't think I'm the crazy hockey dad. But I think inside, it, it's starting to come out a little bit. I'm really trying to reel it in, but um, you know, I'm not. I try to be very very positive with the kids. You know, I, I understand they're nine and they're not going to see the ice like me and Vinny can when the, when the play is going on, but we try to help them out as best we can and teach them as much as we can for my time here. And um, Like I said, we're, we got a good little team and we're having a great time.
2: I'm just praying that there's no nine-year-old healthy scratches there. Um, <laughs> so full hockey retirement lasts exactly four and a half weeks. Uh, October 22nd, the block party with Dan Girardi debuted. How did this come about?
1: Uh, well, honestly, I didn't think I'd be doing anything like this anytime soon. I thought I'd be, you know, in my backyard fishing, having some beers. But um, you know, I, the PR department in Tampa kind of knew I'd be living here for a little bit, and just kind of approached me with this idea about a podcast. And I'm like, Well, oh, you know, obviously you can hear by my voice now. I love to talk and just go about my business. And you know, it's it's only been one episode now, but. You know, we did, we did the one with Phil Esposito we, that we recorded, and we did the one with Ryan McDonough um, the other day, and that was, it sounds great. So, you know, it's something that I didn't think I'd be doing, but, you know, it sounds really good. I'm getting a lot of decent feedback from it. I'm not expecting a crazy amount of positive feedback, but, um, you know, it's kind of something I just fell into. But, you know, it's like anything I do, I want to make sure I do it properly and, you know, be prepared each episode and, you know, just have some fun with it.
2: Yeah, I listened to the first episode. I, I loved it because you get some inside stuff, first of all, you know, about you ordering expensive pizzas, you fishing w- with Callie in your backyard. Mac tinkering with his
0: fantasy lineups. Yeah. Yeah. But, but here's oh, yeah.
2: one thing that, that shocked me is your co-host Seth Kushner asked about some of the people that reached out to you after you retired. You mentioned Tom Rennie, AV, and a bunch of players. I didn't hear you mention Torts. And at first I said, Well, well, Torts is busy coaching, but then I realized, wait, Avi's coaching with the Flyers. Has Torts reached out to you since that podcast just to congratulate you on the great career and, and thanking you for what you gave him as a player?
1: Well, we're not here to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not I'm not doing that. But, you know, I I I think it's out of the mutual respect. I feel like he would reach out if I when they're in Tampa like I'm going to the game sometimes, but, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything, but he has not reached out yet, but I'm sure that's on his list of dues. But, um, you know, Mike Sullivan did reach out, the other assistant coach right. of course, but, um, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's because he didn't enjoy the way I played. Or I think he probably just didn't think of it. Yeah,
2: no, I, I agree with no, you. I know, was, I, yeah, yeah, I know was, how yeah. much he respect you. I—that's I, why I, I thought maybe it was just an oversight because I, I know that as a player, he absolutely loved you. So anyone who follows this show, or you know, over the years has followed my post-game routines over the years. Know that back in the day, it would always include Ryan Boyle, Cali, Mark Stahl, Hank, and you. You were always insightful and funny. You, and Stahl, in particularly also had that self-deprecating humor. So how much of that will we hear on the cast, and what will the weekly podcast consist of?
1: Well, yeah. Like, if you heard a little bit of the first one, you know, I'm all about just making fun of myself. <laughs> and, you know, I know I wasn't the flashiest guy out there. You know, like I know that all that stuff. So, like I said, Phil Esposito's podcast. You know, obviously talking about the old days, and you know, he was in Boston, but we did talk a little bit about his time in New York, and I'm sure the fans will love to hear that. A couple of stories from Phil, and I did talk to him, talk to Mac Truck about our, our time together in New York, and a couple of funny stories there. And obviously, I'm going to try to get Cali on and and then uh and the Rangers come to town in Tampa I think in a couple of weeks, I think the fourteenth that we're going to try to get Mark Stahl on there, you know, talk about his time in you York know, and blah blah blah, you know, try to get some former guys not only not only the Tampa guys in town, but you know guys I know like uh when Arizona comes to town, we're going to talk to steps you know- you know guys like that that I know more personal because that, that's that's the kind of what we're trying to do. we're trying not to be all serious about like you know analyzing hockey and You know, what happened here, what happened there, just more, you know, having fun, making fun of each other and, you know, having a good time with it. You know, there's nothing, you know, if anyone knows me, there's nothing serious about me at all. So I just want to have some fun with it and and kind of go from there.
2: There's definitely a niche for it because the, the Spitting Chicklets is one of the really good podcasts out there for not the X's and O's. And I agree with you. And, and I'm hoping that when the Panthers get in, you get Boiler because again, you know, another one of those great guys in the league. Ryan, you had to, yeah. You had to so something.
0: one of my favorite parts of the podcast was you kind of you know peeling back the the uh, layers of you and Max relationship. And so what I would want to ask, because to me was so interesting, was it, it was rare for a defensive combination to have such great chemistry. And, and to both complement each other on the ice so well. So w- what I'm not trying to do is analyze the hockey, but off the ice, how did that relationship develop into being something that was so successful?
1: Honestly, I, don't, I think that that kind of thing just happens. You don't really know because, you know, we were talking there, and then the podcast will be released in maybe a week or two, but, like, it's just weird how we just kind of became, you know, good friends. Uh, you know, obviously we played – probably over five hundred games together mixed between uh New York and Tampa and um it was just kind of like you know, I was more of an outgoing guy, a little bit, you know, outspoken, not outspoken with the media, but just outspoken in the room, but um, you know, he was kind of a quiet guy that came in, a young guy from Minnesota and you know, I, I honestly don't know how it matched so well together but I feel like I feel like the guys that play with me I'm a pretty easy guy to play with. They kinda of know it's very simple what to expect from me every night. And I think that's what Mac was able to really grasp, and you know, obviously as a rookie, he came in and whatever play with me a little bit. Then once he, you know, once he realized like this guy's going to be a player, you know, he was able to get maybe a little more offensively and join the rush a little more, knowing that you know, I'd be that safety valve in the back. And I, you know, like I said, I have no idea how this thing turned out to be such a great relationship, but you know, I'm very glad he got to New York, and you know, obviously, I'm sure everyone in New York wasn't pleased when he got traded to Tampa. That we find a lot of New York Rangers going to Tampa, but that's another story for another day. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I couldn't have been happier when this guy gets traded to New York, or sorry, from New York to Tampa. You know, obviously, no one's really happy about it. But I'm like, this this is ridiculous how this is working out for me <laughs> to come to come to a team that I already had Callahan, my best friend,
2: Strollman. And
1: yeah. Back, <laughs> yeah, Strollman.
2: Boyle. Brian oh, down oh, yeah,
1: there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I guess, trade there, J. T. Miller comes. I'm like, this, yeah. is this some kind of joke?
2: <laughs> so things? Yeah. I guess
0: it's how Oiler fans felt in ninety four, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. The, when that happened, just bring us through it. Were you guys calling each other, excited?
1: Well well one I think honestly if I can remember correctly it was obviously it was a trade deadline, but I think we, we played that day. And you know it was right, right during the good old nap time. I don't think I napped very much because I was watching the deadline until about three PM, and I maybe I dozed off and I woke up seeing that there was a big trade with the Rangers and and Lightning. I'm like, oh man, like if if, if Mac Truck comes, I'm gonna lose my mind. And obviously, I looked. The details came in. He came. I was like, this is a joke. There's no way this is true, because of what the you know the Ranger guys that came before. But you know that was great and. The first, I think it was the next day, uh, JT and Matt got here. You know, I, I met them at the, their hotel, went out for a bite to eat and kind of let them know what to expect. And, you know, I think it was uh, – I think both guys were obviously upset to leave New York, but happy to come to a place where they knew a couple guys or a guy that would, you know, help them along the way. And you know, uh, you know, it was great.
2: So, 788 regular season games. 122 playoff games as a ranger, which is it, it, it boggles the mind because it's almost more games than you played for Tampa Bay. You know, 139 regular season, 21 you know postseason with Tampa, but it seems like the Bolts community has really embraced you. Now you're doing a po- podcast with Tampa as well, so I have to ask you: Tuesday night, Tampa Bay comes into Madison Square Garden to play the Rangers. You're no longer playing for either one of these teams. Who are you going to be rooting for?
1: Well. Well to let you guys know I'll be in I'll be in I'll be in the building that night so I'll be coming in and seeing how it goes. But um, honestly like I don't I don't even cheer for one team or the other. I I just bought the NHL package on my on my satellite. I, I just watch the games. I really don't uh but obviously, you know, living here and my son watches hockey, he's a big damn Close cool fan, obviously. But he you know, with a little bit of change over in New York, he doesn't know many guys anymore. You know, obviously he knows Henrik and Mark Stahl. Um, maybe Brady Shane cries a little bit. But, um, you know, he, he's a big Lightning fan. But I told him, I said, listen, you come to the game on Tuesday, you just watch some good hockey. I <laughs> said, so You're not cheering for anybody. We're here to watch a good hockey game. And, you know, obviously, you know, doing this stuff with the Lightning right now, it was great. But obviously everyone knows that my heart was always in New York, 11 years, over a decade in New York. There's no secret I love my time there, you know. Obviously, I wish I could have finished my career there, but that didn't happen, but that's not a big deal. But, uh, you know, I always gonna remember my time in New York. And, you know, obviously the Tampa fans saw something in me and, you know, liked the way I played, but I think I was very, you know, accessible in the community as well. The little town like Tampa, but I live on a little island here in Tampa called Davis Island. And, you know, I'm always around there and talking to people. And I guess, you know, the kind of demeanor I have, they loved it, but. You know, like I said, I'm enjoying my time now, and and I just want to let all the Ranger fans know that you know Ranger the Rangers gonna be a huge part of my life for the you know for the rest of my life, and you know I, I always let my son know that that I'm always a Ranger for life, and like you said, you know it's Tampa, but you know Rangers are always a big part of my life.
2: Yeah, Tampa is beautiful. It is a little crazy when that Gasparilla comes to town. I, you know, it was the same weekend as the All Star. I tell you, I I was scared in certain places. <laughs> it was wild. Uh, quick question: What number does your son wear when he plays?
1: I'll give you one guess.
2: Five?
1: You got it. All right, good. I just want to make yeah. sure of that. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's well, four we're number five.
2: All right, that's fine. I, I was hoping that was going to be the answer. All right. How can people find the podcast, and uh, what, what is the uh, which is the one that you're most proud of so far that you've taped? Well,
1: obviously I'm going to be a little selfish, but I think I like the first one because it's just about me. But like I said, I think I think we're, we're releasing it every Wednesday. Like I said, we got Estosito, Mack Truck. You know, it's gonna be, you know, a couple of the big bolts guys here. Like I said, we're gonna to try to grab stallsy these steps, you know, former Ranger guys that we can really talk about things and uh gonna grab Vinny the Cavalier, obviously a big huge part of campus history here. You know, we're coaching our kids' team so that'd be kinda of fun. But you know, obviously you could find you can find the podcast anywhere you find your the ones you already listen to. Spotify, Apple Podcast, the Ranger fans. I know you don't wanna to go on to the lightning website, but you can check there. You know, I'll. You know, anywhere you can find a podcast, it's going to be on it. Like I said, I'm not. I don't know about that end of the thing. I just do my best to record a podcast and let all the PR department deal with the rest.
2: Nice, Dan. Thanks so much for years of putting up with my post-game questions, uh, giving your you know, all night in and night out for the Rangers as well, and, and more importantly, finding time for us tonight. We look forward to the block party with Dan Girardi, and I, I look forward to talking to you for my, my new Ranger book that's coming up. Um, again, thanks so much. You've always been gracious with your time, whether it be post-game or any time. I really, really appreciate it.
1: No, I really appreciate you guys having me. You know, I'll probably talk to you Tuesday in, uh, in New York City. Look
2: forward to it, Dan. Be good. All right, thank you. You got Dan Girardi, farmer, New York, Ranger Great, and Tampa Bay Lightning.